You want to find your tribe of raving fans. I'm going to help you do it. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 316 Media, where we help you do better business. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb and you're listening to episode 26 of Digging Deep where we help business owners build better businesses. And today I have a wonderful individual um, whom I got to connect with uh, offline a couple of days before we were introduced by another mutual friend of ours. Uh, he is a story architect and he's been spending the last uh, little while exploring the stories of people and what makes them work what makes them tick and how it all comes around together and influences their life. Uh, please uh, welcome to the show, Winston Young uh, from Voice Story. Winston, how are you? <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me for the, on the show. And I think one of the first things I really <laughs> want to kick off with is uh, I don't know how many people out there will have heard of Voice Story, but why don't you kind of just tell me a little bit about what Voice Story is and how you arrived at that platform. Uh, Voice Story, the Voice Story itself, the platform is a stage that I created where I give permission to speak for people to, to permission to speak. And that came from my own dysfunctional belief that I needed permission to speak. So after doing a whole bunch of work uh, to get over this dysfunctional belief, and seeing how freeing it was after I embraced my own voice and my own stories and the power behind them, I told myself, I can't be the only one that has this dysfunctional belief. Uh, I had a, a daydream, which I brought to reality and like manifested it, and that became a voice story. And to date, we've had a couple hundred people take the stage and created a huge amount of impact and so then why do you feel like people have those dysfunctional beliefs what what type of stories are they telling themselves to make them believe that their story and their their worth isn't really worth it well it, societal and you know societal conditioning and uh, cultural conditioning depending on how we were raised we get we get imprinted by stuff by our by our parents as we grow up and then just using myself as an example culturally the chinese culture always wants you to excel so they don't really praise you very much they more uh, knock you down all the time to make you stronger when you get up so they i was never good enough by uh, whatever you do is never good enough but then i was raised in an environment uh, with society goes you don't belong why are you here so my voice didn't matter you put your hand up and they never select you and then you well i should say you i started creating this narrative that no it's no point in trying because no one's going to pick you anyway they always pick last uh, with my name winston and young <laughs> you pick my first name i'm last pick my last name i'm last so it was it, it seemed humorous at the time. Um, some people will fall into the, the space of, uh, this is just the way life is and so be it. I, with my personality, it kicked into overdrive where I decided, no, I'm going to make sure people know who I am and people hear my voice. And I went 
to the far other end of the spectrum, which created very, very like uh, distorted stories now of what I had to do in order to be seen and heard and acknowledged. And that shaped most of my life until I started undoing those, uh, those narratives to see clearly what, uh, what the world, <laughs> the words are is supposed to be like. <laughs> well, that's an interesting thought. Cause I think when we as individuals, we don't, necessarily share the truth and social media is a perfect example of that where we're curating so much of of what we think people should see of us you know how we want them to see us you know because we have our own underlying fears and you know nobody really talks about you know what's really going on i think part of that ends up you know translating into that mental health space where you know i think nowadays we are spending an, an incredible uh, amount of time and resources, you know, as a collective society, uh, realizing that this mental strain occurs, uh, you know, to everybody straight across the board, and it's sort of like an unspoken killer. Tell me about what type of power comes, or what type of evolution have you seen out of, you know, the people who have taken the stage, or even yourself, uh, you know, when they're able to share their story? Um, what is the power that comes with that? Well, what you've described uh, is like constructed identity. I, the version that I use with people that makes sense is our mass. Uh, we will grow up and then we go, people won't like me. So I have to create a version of me that people will like. And then they go, well, people like that. So then we spend all this time curating, perfecting this persona that people like. So now we're keeping people on arm's length away because no one wants to know me. They want to, they're in, engaging with this. And that really starts distorting how we're connecting with people because you realize they're not connecting with you, they're connecting with this persona. And this persona might be the one that my work persona. This is the one I go to, out to parties with. This is the one I go out to dates with. This is the one I go to the dentist with. Now we have all these personas, but none of them are truly you. But we never have an opportunity to share who we are because there's a, that big gap. No one wants to know who you are. They're in love with all these different personas. And as we grow, we start feeling disconnected because there's this we as humans are we're wired for connection but if we're wired for connection everyone is connecting to something else other than us we will feel it and we won't that's manifest into like depression isolation worthiness issues and it can eventually get as bad as people committing suicide because they go i, I don't like how i am i don't like how society is i don't like the space and my only way out of all this crap that's going on is to, to literally end it, which is unfortunate because that's not, uh, that's not the case. So when someone is curious and wants to do the work and say, there's gotta be something more than this, the first step is to say, where 
where are these beliefs? How were they made? Why do I believe this? Where, for example, uh, you can't do that. Okay. <laughs> we just fall into this belief that I can't do this. But I never tried. So how do I know that I can't do that? But many people don't pull it, pull that question back for, for, further enough. Simple one. Another one of the people goes like, I, I, I don't like that. For like food, for example. It's like, have you ever tried it? Nope. I just know I don't like it. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. You've never tried it. But you to have this distinct stand that I don't like it, even though you never tried it. And when you start questioning people about that, they get hyper defensive because you know you're you're questioning their values and their beliefs. Because if you never tried it and you don't like it, but when I ask you, you get really defensive. Why is that? And again, people aren't aware. They just they just pull into this space. What happens when you're free of this space? You, it's like taking Windex to a dirty window. <laughs> like you start seeing all sorts of color and possibility that was, that was not available to you before. Curiosity should kick in. For example, it's like, I, I don't like ice cream. Really? It's, yeah. It's like, it's weird. I don't like the texture of it. Have you tried it? No. Try it. Wow, this stuff is not what I thought it would be then curiosity should kick in. It's like, well, what else don't I like that I never tried, which might be, might not be what I think it is. And you start breaking through all those illusions and all these stories that you created. And hopefully we do so early enough then allows us to experience, to experience things differently. So if I'm hearing you right, where you're sort of a, essentially saying, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, so to speak, um, is that we are curating our own story in our heads by, you know, telling ourselves little white lies, perhaps, um, or, or things that are fabricated as a protective mechanism in some capacity. And when we're challenged with that, you know, by another individual, that sort of chips away at you know all the other things and and i think what you then bring into that equation is trying to be aware of how many more of those stories are embedded in your your nature well that, is that sort of correct another a, a, a very simple visual are filters it's like if we don't question we, like we're see, we're perceiving things through filters all the time. If we're not aware of that, then what aren't we seeing? It, 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 it's as simple as that. And we, you, you and I have this conversation. Like we could be having a conversation. Say, Winston, do you see that? <laughs> filters are in place. Like, well, no. What, what the hell are you seeing? It's right in front of you. It's like there's nothing in front of me, because the filters are are, are taking the, blocking that information from getting to me and it's interesting that you say that because you know when you when you take a look at some of the research that that surrounds that in the quantum sort of physics realm it's you know our brain has so many filters that 
you know, we're, we're processing so many bits of information in, in any given day subconsciously. And what we're really conscious of is that really tip of the iceberg. And so, you know, when we're faced with a little bit of an awareness of something, you know, that may not be in our conscious line of sight and somebody sort of picks away and digs at it and, and shows it to you, a whole new cascade of things starts to open up, doesn't it? Like you yeah. start to realize certain things, you start to ask different questions, all related to that one subject. And have you, re have you come across something like that, uh, you know, without naming names, but maybe sharing an instance where a person either on your platform, uh, a stage or yourself, um, you know, has undergone that transformation where, you know, something that was firmly not in their conscious, um, you know, beliefs or in their conscious stream, you know, was suddenly uncovered uh, and tapped into and brought out of their subconscious. And then what, what was the cascade of events and what type of transformation may have existed at that point? <laughs> there's, there's a lot. The one that bubbles up right now is I had a speaker, uh, Robert O'Brien, and he wrote a, he, he wrote a book about his upbringing and it was around uh, BMW M3 uh, and the stories about uh, the car and his relationship with the car and the relationship with his uh, father and the relationship with himself. As I was working with him uh, through our, the voice story process to dig into the story, deconstruct it then, uh, and, and look at the elements of it, I asked him, is the story about the car or is the story about you? Because the way that it's told, there's, it's not about you, but you're telling the story very car centric. And so you're externalizing the, the whole thing. And, the, and then that really started a different process of, of weaving the story. And at the end, after uh, a few versions, he, the story completely shifted. And then what goes, my story isn't about the car. This is who I am. And when he broke that link, it was uh, life changing because we're, this is how we identify. And then it's like, well, that's not really how I, that, no, that's not, that's not the right way I want to identify. This is how I want to identify. This is, this, this is just a, a version of it that I wrote through those filters at that point in time. Now that I have a, removing the filters, the story, the story elements can be the same, but the perception and how they are of who I am in relation to them have completely changed. So therefore I am a different person. And when I heard that story presented for the first time on stage, by the time, by the time I handed him the mic to when I got it back, when the story was expressed, uh, 
he was a different person. I could I could see it. I could feel it. It was a, it, that that person was free. So then, tell me, where did the interest of story sort of come about for you? When I, in my past, in my twenties, I, well, even prior to that, I developed this um, dysfunctional need to be acknowledged and seen because I felt that uh, I wasn't. So I developed this, I don't like to call it a skill, but this, the skill to weave stories in real time to manipulate the space around me so I could survive. So I could fulfill this need and not feel the pain. Not understanding that that story weaving skill or gift was just being used in the wrong, in the, in the wrong way. So as I moved forward and then started speaking to people and noticing people love telling these stories, but I didn't understand why. And then I started being able to just take apart what they're telling me and really be able to see beyond the story and say, this is what you're saying to me, but what you really want to talk about is this. And then we, we drift over there. And then when we, I create, I create a, a safe space and then they start talking about it. So when I started looking back over the last 30 years of my life, it seemed that uh, I was created for this. It's like, like everything I've ever done, it's like everything I've ever done is, is just a variation of it not knowing that at the very end it was just uh, I'm, a, I'm a i'm a weaver of i'm a weaver of tales and the key part of that which i wasn't aware of is i had to learn how to like develop the skills and how to listen because only by listening was i able to start understanding story uh, versus just having conversation with someone just waiting to reply to them, but just really listen and then cue into how they're telling the story, their tone of voice, the words that they're using, all the little tiny elements, and then sit back and go, there's something that you're not telling me. And are you interested to go and understand what that is? And in a, that's a very gentle, inviting ways I'm not interrogating them <laughs> to say are you is there something that you're not uh, that you're not telling me do you feel that and they go yeah you want to go find that and then, then away we go and just some beautiful beautiful stuff as painful as some of the topics might be um, some are related to like self-harm sexual abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse. But there's always this side, this part of them that wants to express, that wants to be heard. And when we get to that part and they allow it to happen, that they give power to that little tiny voice, that's a feeling that they can't forget. Yeah. And so I, 
I believe that, you know, what you're doing is that exercise is really the precursor to what we talk about in marketing as a personal brand. Um, it's helping you to create uh, a distinguishing piece that you are identifying with a core piece that, you know, generally I feel is buried uh, under the clutter of life, uh, you know, as you've grown older, but there is a sub segment of core actionable beliefs, morals, you know, compass, um, you know, that lies within each individual. And as you know, we get calloused over time in the environments um, that we're up, you know, brought up with, you know, it influences all of these, these factors that, you know, we either shunt certain things off, we amplify other things, you know, based on social cues, as you, as you kind of mention. But when we peel back some of that protective layer, and we finally touch on that sore spot, as you're, you've alluded to, the transformation I think that exists for a, an individual uh, can really amplify them in a business context. It can really give them a lot more to chew on and a lot more for them to take and then project out into the world uh, to attract their tribe of raving fans. Yes, that, that is completely true. And I will take it one step further where uh, the, you would peel back to a point where uh, where you go, okay, so, so that's the, the sore spot. I usually pull them even past that to go to a space where they can't articulate, like they can't find the words to explain what this feeling is. So you go, okay, this is, this, you know, like this, this is the sore spot. And it's like, okay, so what, what is even behind that? We have to punch through that. And then behind that is something else. And then you, I have that person sit there and it's like, you're holding on to this moment for a reason. And then the, the number one question that I ask is, why is this important to you? And when that moment, when that answer, that feeling, that expression, whatever comes up for them clicks, when, it, when you start weaving story and everything that you do from that space, people can feel it, they can hear it, they can sense it. It's like, it's pure you. And no one, no one can steal that. You, you can't copy that. It's unique to the individual, like how you structure sentences, the words that you use, how you're articulated, how you speak, how you sound, how you look, how you feel, all that from that space, when it's all blended together, it's powerful. It is. And, you know, you and I discussed this in our previous conversation, not on this podcast or not predicating this podcast, but an, an entirely different day. We talked about how an individual uh, like yourself and I had other filters in place that didn't allow us to explore the emotional side of that development. Uh, and a lot of blockages occur, um, you know, the brain isn't allowing us to feel the entire gamut and range of emotions 
that we both can I could identify that if we're feeling joy, why? And I know that this should be a joyful moment. Why am I not feeling it? Mm. Has anything in the exploration of voice story and your your capacity uh, coaching people through that space, you know, help you or help an individual kind of break through those barriers? Yes, every person that I've worked with, and the gift that I am given is every speaker, every person I work with, has given me a glimpse into their life, a glimpse into spaces that I would normally never have access to. And if you, know, if you just use 200, if you have 200 extra little glimpses into worlds, you, your perspective has to shift. It has to change because it's like, <laughs> there's, there's so many other variables that are now introduced. To work with someone and connect dots, something that happened from their past to something that's happening now that they can't see are mirror images of each other. And they go, I don't understand why I'm so, like this current event is just devastating. I don't understand. Like, but then showing them as they tell this story, then they, show, then they share this other story about something that happened, a loss that happened in the past. And I go, can't you see? It's exactly the same. The, the names are different but you lost someone here and you didn't get a chance to say goodbye and you lost someone then and you didn't get a chance to say goodbye. It just happened. Emotions, I, I truly believe emotions have no concept of time. What you felt back then when you were a child and what you're feeling now, it's exactly the same thing. But now you're an adult. You, you didn't know how to process it back then. You have skills now, so let's let's figure this out, and then being able to connect with someone at that level it allows me to play in that space too, and opens it up for me. Hmm. And so, not everybody has this ability, uh, and, and I know this because. I've seen people who coach uh, and, and I've seen people who have an uncanny ability to dig deep uh, and to, to keep a safe, you know, space for an individual without judgment. And I think that's a big key uh, when you're exploring that is that you're hosting that space for an individual to, to open up uh, the wounds without judgment, without fear of judgment. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit about, you know, what that time frame can be like for an individual? You know, is this over a single conversation? Does it tend to, to go a little bit longer? You know, how quickly do you get into that space with an individual? Or, you know, I think where I'm getting at is, is you know, a person who's listening to this is like, if I'm going to go through a branding process or if I'm going to try to find my why, which is, you know, the big buzzword nowadays, everybody's talking about finding their why and why they exist and, and whatnot. Uh, and, and I mean, that's a different 
there's a there's a different question that kind of comes with that. But let's just say, you know, if everybody's trying to find their why and they're and they're sitting in front of you or or somebody like me and they're trying to discover this, it isn't something that is necessarily can be done in an hour, so to speak. I don't like I, and and I just want to know that your opinion because you know obviously I have I have my own experience and I, I want to make sure that that I'm not putting my own filters in type of things. But my my experience it takes it takes a bit of time and exploration, um, you know, and and the ability to listen I, to, to it. So how about yourself? I don't want to pigeonhole myself with this answer, but uh, I I would say ninety percent of the time out of all the people that I've worked with to date. I can, we, we, not I, we can get to a, um, to that sore space, peeling back the layers, typically in about 90 minutes. Uh, it, to me, it's, it's frightening because I, I, I look at the clock, it's like, it's, it's 70 to 90 minutes again. It's like consistently. Um, it's not a guarantee because it, and it's not up to me. Like what I, what I do is, and I very much create this visual. So the person I'm working with understands I'm not sending you off into a dive by strapping a block of concrete and then kicking you off in the middle of the ocean. Away you go and pull, pull on the string when you're, when you want to come back up. We, we go together and I, I, I'm behind you. And it's this idea, this concept and the feeling that I'm not alone. And I go, I, am, I know the space, but you're the one that has to navigate the space. So I'm there, I'm with you and we go down, down, down. And then I check in and I go, you wanna keep going? Yes, we keep going. When you want to stop, you stop. We take a breather. And when the person realizes, okay, this, this is a terrifying space, but it's not nearly as terrifying as I, or whatever the construct is, I want to go a little more. And then that's when that little bit of empowerment kicks in where it's like, I thought this was going to be absolutely mind-bendingly scary going into this terrifying space of, heartache or pain or guilt or shame or whatever and you just keep going and uh and it's that safety that safe feeling that i hear people say i feel safe to be able to go down and then allows that vulnerability to say this is what happened winston are you sure and then a little change in perspective Oh, actually, this is what happened. And then you pick up this ball, this memory, polish it off a little bit and say, this isn't what I thought it was at all. It's actually something completely different. Um, to, to use my own version, I felt a lot of anger and resentment after my father passed away. And then I did a dive with my coach to do the same process. And I found this ball. 
and I thought it was a pall of heartache and pain and loss and grief over the years, all dirty. And then I started cleaning it up. And then what I saw, it's all cleaned up, was a ball of love. And I realized I hid this from the world because I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want anyone to take away from me. So I buried it. And then over time, all that anger from the loss started tarnishing it outside. But it was just a ball of love hidden away from the world. And when I saw that, I brought it back up. I looked at the story about that started weaving out of it because I looked at the looked at the memory. It's uh yeah, I let go of a lot of pain. That can typically happen, begin to happen, like the very first bricks in about 90 minutes. And then how long it takes after that is to be determined. Mm. But but cracking that door open. Okay, so then that's consistent with myself as well. I feel like that in generally our conversations before I hit the first sort of node uh, is what I kind of <laughs> call it. Uh, the first the first surface node um, is close to an hour and a half, so about ninety minutes, just like you, you've kind of indicated. Um, you know, but I do feel like that that exploration at least enough to get uh, enough to curate. Um, a unique selling proposition uh, and position amongst an individual takes typically a few sessions. And, you know, with that, I think a lot of times after that discussion and exploration, they do need to sit on it and let that percolate through their psyche and let their brain process it in the subconscious space when they're sleeping, because I think the conscious space, they keep trying to pick at it, but I think the brain mm. works much better when you don't have the neocortex kind of activated. Um, <laughs> And, and try to push away those things using the filters that you already have sort of in place, um, you know, and, and trying to talk you out of it. But I think your the brain processes it much more, more afterwards. So then tell me, you have voice story and people get to express themselves and find their truths on, in an open platform. At the end of it all, what does that translate for you in terms of, you know, what's at, what's at the end of that rainbow for yourself? Is that an opportunity for finding uh, a way to coach? Is it just satisfaction? You know, where at the end of it all, creating a space like that, A, takes a lot of bandwidth, um, you know, from a most emotional standpoint. Um, you know, and of course the resources that take to, to host an event such as, as voice story, um, or, or host, a, a, a space like voice story, what comes at the end of it when somebody shares that story to, you know, those who are listening? What do I get out of it? Mm. Gratitude. Pure and simple. It's uh, there is no, there's no ulterior motive. There's no coaching. There's no pitching. No selling. No no nothing. It's this. When I get the mic back from the person, and I could I could see it, 
like they're, they're energetically they're a different person it's this this weight this story this whatever that they were carrying their entire lives now they the way i describe it is it's like you're a hard drive and you take this old data and you throw it up in the cloud now you got this space that you opened up for something new what are you going to put in it you can put anything in it but you're aware that you can put something in this space now and your life's going to change because of that and that's that's what i get out of it it's this i this concept that I help somebody. I'm gonna re I'm gonna rephrase that. I held a space which allowed someone to step in and show the world how powerful they are and the real them. It's not you know, it's not the, the construct of who they are. They stepped into a space, shed off all the layers and say, this is who I am. This is what I am. This is my story. And I'm happy about it, regardless of what that story is. And they're sharing it with intention to go and impact another to say, you're not alone. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. I went through it. You can get through it. I'm here for you. That's it because I, I needed that, I wanted that. And I was searching the world for it, I couldn't find it. And if circumstances changed a little bit, we wouldn't be having this conversation because I'd be six feet under. True enough, I think. And, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting um, because what I was alluding to is so much of our humanistic existence is predicated on what I call a pack theory, right? And that, you know, whether it's marketing or whether it's in social circles that, you know, we as human beings are social animals and that we crave uh, affinity to another individual, common thread, uh, you know, and that's what weaves a particular tribe. People who share common beliefs, common moral compasses, um, you know, the things that drive them or cause them to make specific decisions, conscious or subconscious, uh, attracts other individuals of the similar nature is what I've, I've experienced. I think the problem comes when your conscious self takes over. And as you say, they put in all these filters in place because they believe that this is what society wants and they're projecting something that's other than them. And that makes us lonely because we push away the things that we crave most, which is connection. Um, but we, we put connection as they need to connect with something that is quote unquote socially acceptable and not necessarily ourselves, which is also socially acceptable. And in fact, probably more so because you know, there's, there's an element of, of vulnerability there. And I think when there's vulnerability, ego gets left at the door and it allows people to feel a sense of belonging more so than a sense of equality. 
what comes up for me when I hear that, it uh, brings back a, a moment a couple of years ago when I was volunteering for the Japan Festival, Powell Street Festival. I met a gentleman and I met him at a, a Narcan booth. And then we went for a walk. And we started sharing stories that the nature of the stories most people wouldn't share with their closest friends. Like these are like dark, dark stories. And I said to him, it's like how I find it very interesting that we are able to connect at such a level, setting I met you for 15 minutes. And his reply shocked me. He said, no, it makes sense because what's common between everybody is pain. And you've experienced a level of pain that I can relate to. And it made total sense because the stories that we were sharing, only people that have experienced that would understand. And uh, it, it sounds really crappy to say, yeah, well, that's what brings us together as a collective. Only if we focus on that. And that's where, where I was stuck. Focus on the pain, then you go drinking and doing substances and all this other stuff that numb the pain. And then everyone's doing that. So now we're all the same, right? But we're, we're all the same in the wrong way. Yeah, but you still yeah. have that pain. Yeah. yeah. And I understand that. And it's funny because, you know, that, that goes back to a, the other conversation that we had offline, um, you know, where not everybody shares uh, or understands, you know, how we manifest all these things uh, around us and all the stories. And, and we, we kind of touched on quantum theory a little bit, um, but again, you know, it's, it's being open to that space and sharing something vulnerable because that doesn't come up in general conversation. Even yourself said that, you know, not very many people you, you would connect to, uh, you would even go as far as such because yeah. it seems woo woo to a lot of people. Uh, and, you know, I think it, again, it, it just comes back to leaving ego at the door and just seeing what happens when you two people talk um, without expectations or without a need to, to be better or, or be more than another individual and that both of you there are, are put together by all the serendipitous actions that we've taken over the course of our lifetime to get to this one very unique point in time. What comes up when I hear you say that is what, what happens with individuals and society is um, we feel a certain way when we go, okay, uh, no, no one else seems to be, everyone looks so happy. So it's gotta be me. There's something wrong with me. And I can't bring this up because we can't, we don't talk about this. So that's shame. Part of you wants to talk about it and you're denying it. So that's guilt. <laughs> so those two fundamental dark emotions have massive amounts of uh, influence on, on how we interact. So then we suppress all the stuff. And then we put out a different version. We don't talk about, we're not, we're, we're not giving ourselves the permission to be vulnerable to talk about 
that I'm having a really bad day. And the other person goes, I wish I had someone to talk about because I'm having a really bad day. You don't talk about it. How was your day? Oh, it's great. I'm looking at doing this. You want to go grab a drink later? And you're talking about all the superficial, yet everyone around you is suppressing that, you know, like that voice inside is crying out, going, I just want to know that I'm not alone. And that that I'm there's nothing that is there something wrong with me and how I describe it is imagine you're in a dark space and you feel that you're all alone and all of a sudden you bump into someone it's, then you go there's someone else here and we're all in the same space it's that understanding that if there's someone else here that means there's another person here that's walking around all alone freaking out and then if we can build the community by saying, there's all of us in here. And if we can't get out, well, one version is if we can't get out, then at least we're all together here. We're not alone. And we can make the space a little bit better than it is. That's just one version. There's infinite other versions. Infinite version. yeah. <laughs> but it's that, that fundamental concept of you're not alone. And I feel in Vancouver, Everyone is siloed and it's, it's painful. It's painful to feel and it's painful to see. Yeah. Um, I, I totally, I totally understand and I totally relate to that. Um, and I think COVID uh, really put kerosene on that, you know, in terms <laughs> of it, it messed a lot of people up and it, it made people sit in their own space. And of course, and I'm, and I'm sure that you, you've seen this, uh, for a person to sit in their own space quietly and reflect and be present with oneself is probably one of the most difficult things an individual can do. I feel, I feel like, you know, people will try to pick up a phone, distract themselves because they don't want, they want to avoid looking in the mirror <laughs> in, in yeah. that sense. And in, in part of, you know, I started the podcast just before sort of COVID hit and I was kind of doing it more so because I really wanted to talk. I really wanted to understand individuals, uh, you know, from all walks of life. But what I realized is during COVID, when I tried to open conversations with individuals, it was everybody tried to put up a strong face because they feel like that's what everybody else needed. And it took a lot of, work at first until I realized that it would be easier for me to start in a space that was maybe not so chipper. I mean, I was chipper throughout most of it anyways. I, I didn't hit a real dark spot probably until I'd say like month three. And I think most of that was part cabin fever part. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it just, you start to run out of time when you're when you realize that your child is going to be there you know 24 hours a day seven days a week and you really have to to find a way to kind of be more efficient but up until the first little bit i mean i was i was ready i was pumped i was having a good time um you know regardless of whether the revenue was down but when i decided to tell people you know even though i was in a mentally good space sharing with them the 
quote unquote problems like you know financial difficulty the you know struggles of not you know of not being able to support the team for the time being you know those help break some of the barriers to talk about some of the the space that people were really in um you know and i think i think a lot of people really enjoyed that uh safe space where it wasn't about judgment but it was really about caring and and asking you know what's going on for you instead of saying how are you doing it's what's going on for you now and what's in your space at this moment and i think a lot of us just say hey how are you doing you know what's new mm -hmm. what's exciting uh but it doesn't have to be new it doesn't have to be exciting it can be just shitty um and and for you for you to tell you know share that you know a part of that could be shame or guilt is part and part our ego well a lot of people very very many people will come up and say how are you doing and then we will reply by what we are doing when the question should be how are you feeling that's a very subtle difference but profound yeah yeah and then i even got caught someone goes Winston, how are you feeling? Then I reply with how I'm doing. <laughs> and then they go, Winston, I asked, how are you feeling? I'm like, oh, right, you did. And it's, and it, it, that person's giving me permission now to express uh, versus deflect. So now I'm allowed to express the emotional side, which most people don't talk about. And it's just, it's like, it's, it's it's a freeing feeling because it's like you're opening the, you're unbottling the genie for a little while. And when the other person, when you have that understanding that they're just holding space so you can just express and they're not going to judge, they're not going to help or fix or anything. They just, they just want to know how you're feeling. It's a, it's a beautiful space. Do you have any tips about how to hold space for an individual? Because I think this is a really shitty thing about most people is that they really <laughs> the whole space. Everybody's already three thoughts away and, and ready to tell you their two cents. But maybe you could share if you have a good experience because you do this daily. Um, and I don't want it coming from my mouth, but how do you hold space for an individual? Well, we, Voicery holds uh, uh, socials to practice this. But the number one thing that we, the very, very first step, in order to hold space for someone is to change how we listen. And what that means is learning, learning to listen to understand versus to listen to reply. And what that, the difference is, listening to reply is what the majority of us grew up doing. And that is we have a conversation with someone, then we have a question, a thought, or a comment, and it gets locked in our jaw. And that's what we define as lock and loaded. And now you're no longer listening. You're waiting for an opportunity for the person pauses or stops speaking so you can fire that out. Not understanding that if you just let that go, maybe the person answers that question. Or maybe that comment isn't, any, isn't relevant anymore because it was covered by something else. We don't know because we're lock and loaded. So to listen with intent 
to understand you just you feel that you put it aside and you just listen and a lot of people when we i ask them have you ever felt truly heard then if they have to think about it then i go if you have to think about it then you never have so let's let's practice this and truly heard is just sitting there and you're absorbing everything that person's saying and at the end you just go you don't even reply it, it blows people's minds like you're not going to say anything most people expect verbal ping pong you say something i say something you say something i say something to just sit there and be heard is a beautiful thing that you could do to do for somebody because that, that's all we want to be, like, as humans, as people, we just want to be acknowledged, to be seen, and acknowledge that we've been heard. That's it. And if we can do that for each other, it'd be a, it'd be a much nicer space to coexist in versus saying, and you could probably pick up this, just listening on other people's conversations where everybody wants to speak but no one wants to listen. And it's obvious. I think that's, I totally understand where you're coming from. And so here, the, here, here comes a, a question and it's not necessarily locked and loaded for it because, you know, as you were talking about it, I, I was listening intently about it, but here comes a point where in a conversation and we are, listening and it happens a lot more often between me and my spouse and i shall finish and i'll stay silent and it feels like there's a it feels like there's an obligation that i have to say something whereby generally i'm just trying to process all the information after listening to it not ready to give anything extra is there a polite way to convey that without sounding like you just took it all in and like it was a black hole and yeah. nothing was there and nothing was left other than thank you for sharing? That's it. Thank you for sharing. And, uh, and to hear that, it's like that obligation. So if we had to go and look at that. It's like, why do you feel that there's an obligation? Where did this idea that there's an obligation come from? Is, is, and it was from, uh, again, cultural conditioning? Mm -hmm. Or is it something that you created yourself? Well, I, <laughs> I have no cultural obligation, or I have no <laughs> obligation to do it. But it's the opposing person. So, so can, you help I... them, can you help them coach that, though? Are you able to, like, when they're looking and they're trying to prompt you for an answer, well, there's, there's like what I, what I said is not written, not of course. cut in stone, Yes, yes. but if you, if you make eye contact with someone, you know, not go stare, stare them down, but you just make connection. You connect with them and you look them in the eye as you're listening. And at the end, you, you can even smile with you. You can actually just say it with your eyes, then follow it up verbally. Just like, Thank you for sharing. They will get it. Now, if you have something to 
reply with afterwards. Thank them for sharing. Let them experience that emotional wave, that gratitude, then reply. Like if you feel that there's something that like you like, you know what, there's this bubble that wants to come out, give them that opportunity to be heard, then reply. So do not deny them that 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 moment and it'll come across differently. I think that's good. I think that's a very good uh, piece of advice. I think a lot of people could really take, I think you could save marriages. <laughs> and the one thing that comes up when I, and this is something that I alluded to just prior to us speaking, it's maybe a little bit further down in the, in the advancement or in woo, in woo factor is when you're replying to someone, are you replying to that person or are you replying to this construct of the person that you're listening to. Hmm. Are you listening to this person or are you listening through the construct that you created of this person? So being a Star Trek geek myself, it's like, I guess, am I engaging with the hologram of Justin or am I engaging with Justin? When I'm listening, my listening through the hologram of Justin that I created, or my listening to Justin. One is a filtered version; the other one is the unfiltered version. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, oh, fantastic. I think that was really powerful. I think that's uh, something. That, I mean, it took us it took us almost almost <laughs> uh, an hour to get through to that one piece, and but that. I think One Piece will serve so many people in so many capacities, whether it's in business or in their personal life, honestly. Um, one thing I'd like to ask all of my podcast guests is, is there something that you could recommend to somebody to listen or read or, or experience um, that has come from your own ventures and journey in life is there a resource that you could recommend that a person pick up <laughs> a re, a re, yeah voice story <laughs> now to be honest but to hear that the one thing the one thing i can leave you leave with is the the question that the question that changed my life really and it was posed by my guide feather so she just asked winston what could your life be like if you let go of what you think your life should be like and my answer always is i never believed it'd be like this and it all happened in three years it's mind-bending mind-bending it that yeah like extraordinarily fast turnaround for a most people like to go from to, to go from just understanding like doing a bit of development work to helping people unlock their stories embrace them and then you're on cable and satellite tv and doing live shows and all like 
all that unfolded in 36 months, you, you can't graduate university in 36 months. <laughs> and this is a quantum leap in like just living. It, uh, I, I can't find words to describe it. I can't find words to describe the gratitude I have for hearing that question. I, I remember exactly when it happened. And I fire that off to everybody. If you let go of what you think life should be like, you literally open up infinite possibility that you're totally blind to because you're just so focused on what you think life should be like. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That's really great. If somebody wants to connect with you, Winston, how are they going to do so? Winston at voicestory.ca. That's the, the best way. And when we get the, when COVID is over and we are doing live shows again, feel free to reach out to me. And I'd love for you to be my guest and experience it because you might hear something that resonates with you so hard. And that's exactly what you needed to hear to take you out of the space of stuck that you might be finding yourself in. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing. And for those people who are listening, what a great opportunity that, uh, you know, Winston is providing, you know, pre-COVID and again, post-COVID, it'll be the same. Uh, in the interim, he is currently doing something quite special. And before we close up, just quickly tell him about, you know, what, what it is that you're, you're doing uh, in order to spark yourself uh, and to, and, and quite honestly, pretty much how we ended up getting to be yeah. connected. So I have this, uh, I find myself very disconnected and I, I, I love connecting with people because it recharges my soul and COVID took that away from me because uh, from social distancing. So I came up with this project of gifting 100 hours to 100 people. So that is just connect over a, a video call. You can talk about you can trade recipes, talk about anything you want, share jokes. If you need help uh, through coaching, it is a pure give on my part. There's no, there's no ulterior motive. I don't pitch, I don't sell, I don't do anything. And the conversation just unfolds. And uh, they've been unfolding beautifully. And if you would like to do that, uh, yeah, reach out to me again, Winston at voicestory.ca, and I'll forward you the, the information. We set up a time. And what happens after that uh, is what happens. Amazing. Well, thank you again for joining me on the show. And for those who are watching, if you guys like this, enjoyed, uh, and you want more of this material, feel free to leave a uh comment on iTunes. A rating would be fantastic. Uh, anything help push us to the top of the charts because what I want to do is I want to make sure that business owners here and around the world uh, get an opportunity to look into things other than just business. Everybody's doing a business podcast. I want to look at everything, the psychology, you know, the business metrics, you know, the relationships. I want to look at all of those things and help you in a journey to have a much more fulfilling uh, adventure as an entrepreneur because it's lonely 
don't get support all the time. And I'm hoping that somebody's going to find value in this. So if you do, please make sure you subscribe, like, share, uh, and you know your patronage is always, always appreciated. Thank you again, Winston, for joining me today. And uh, we're going to, for sure, we're going to dive into another one uh, further down the road. Thank you for having me.